An overweight man decided that it was time. It was finally time to shed some pounds. I've said that to myself a few times. He informed his co-workers that he was going on a diet and would no longer be bringing donuts to the office. He knew it would be hard to resist stopping, stopping by the bakery on the way to work, but he committed himself to remaining strong and resisting temptation. Needless to say, his co-workers were a bit surprised one morning to see him arrive at the office with a big box of donuts. When they reminded him of his diet, he just smiled. He said, he said, you know, there are these very, these are very special donuts. When I left for the office this morning, I knew I was going to drive by the bakery, and I wondered if maybe the Lord might want me to have some donuts today. I wasn't sure, so I prayed, Lord, if, if you want me to stop and buy some donuts, let there be an open parking space directly in front of the bakery. As you know, that parking spaces in front of the bakery are hard to come by. So the parking space was there, asked one of his co-workers. It was a miracle, the man replied. The eighth time around the block, there it was. <laughs> you know, sometimes we approach prayer, I think, in such a way as to try to design it in such a way that we can get what we want. Naturally, isn't that why we pray? Here's a question for you I want you to think about today. I want to start off with this question. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great to know for certain that all of your prayers would be answered exactly the way you wanted them answered? Wouldn't that be great? Think about it. I don't know. Now, Bruce Almighty may have shown us something a little different with that. But wouldn't it, think about it just kind of on the surface. Doesn't it sound like it might be a great thing to know that if I was going to go before God and I was going to pray a prayer, that he was going to answer it exactly the way I wanted that prayer answered. How great would it be to know that whatever you wanted, whatever you prayed for, would be, a grant, would be granted exactly as you requested Whatever your heart desired would be provided. Whatever it was that you were stressing about would be taken care of. Whatever you wanted in your life to change for the better would automatically be transformed. How many of us would like to have that kind of certainty in our prayer life? Wouldn't that be awesome? Today, we're going to read a, a passage of Scripture from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus promises us that God will give us whatever we ask for. Not, not a trick. It's not a play on words. But I want to caution you as we get ready to jump into this passage and, and to think about, just like last week when we talked about what does it mean to be judgmental, in Matthew 7, 1, when Jesus says, Do not judge, or you two will be judged. And uh, we talked about how important it was to take that verse in the context of everything that was being said, and in the context of the rest of Scripture. Context is king. Well, I think it's important as we dig into this passage today that we also remember that this passage that we're going to read, Matthew 7, 7 through 12, needs to be taken in context. Today, we're going to learn this truth. It's about prayer. It's about our life. It's about our relationship with God. And it's this truth right here. When we align our desires with God's will, the answer is always yes. I want you to think about that. When we align our desires with God's will, 
The answer is always yes. Now here's the question. How do we make our desires match up with God's will? I mean, I want what I want, right? You want what you want. I mean, we all have our own desires. How in the world can we, we, I look at it this way. When we go before God, we have a choice in the way we approach prayer. The first choice is this. We could approach prayer in such a way as to say, God, I would like for you to adjust your will to what I want. Isn't that how most of us approach prayer? Don't we go before God? God, here's what I want. Here's my list. Now, if you know, if you could see to adjusting your will to fit that, man, we'd be getting along great. Another way to approach prayer is to consider the possibility, the outside chance that the God of the universe, the creator of all things, the one who is all-knowing and all-powerful and wise, let's say just for a second that maybe his will is infinitely better and wiser than mine. Is that possible? Is is there a chance that that's true? Isaiah, the prophet, understood this in, in chapter 40, verses 12 through 14, when he said this, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket? Or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Isaiah understood the answer was there's no such person. God's will is supreme. Jesus talked about this a little bit in the way he addressed addressed Peter, the way he scolded Peter a little bit in Matthew 16, 23, when Peter turned around and started arguing with him, no, 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 Lord, this this can't be the way it's going to be. And Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan, you're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And I wonder how many times we go before God in prayer and pray for our will to be done instead of his. Go before it and say, I have human concerns, God, and if you don't answer my concerns, then you must not care very much. And we ignore the will of Almighty God. Now, moving our will and moving our desires to a place where they are aligned with God's will and God's desires doesn't happen automatically. And as a matter of fact, we're not capable of doing it on our own. You see, for it to happen, we have to be transformed by the Holy Spirit of God. Look at Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. The Apostle Paul says this as he recognizes this truth. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Just a few chapters earlier, Paul indicates some, a very similar thought in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, when he says this, In the same way, 
The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. You see, first, we submit our lives by taking We submit our lives to God by taking Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Then he transforms us. He transforms our will and our desires into an alignment with his will and his desires. It's a process that we must each go through as his children, and it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen the moment you enter the baptistry waters and come back out. It's a process that begins when you begin your relationship with him and take him as your Lord and Savior, and it lasts a lifetime of him molding you and transforming your will and your desires to align perfectly with his. Today, as we examine the words of Jesus, we need to understand this. He is our Father, and we are his children And he wants to answer our prayers. He wants us to trust him to provide. And in this passage today, Jesus shows us exactly how it works. And so if you will, look in your word, in your Bibles, at Matthew chapter 7. We're going to take a look at verses 7 through 12, but I'm going to do this a little differently. I'm going to start at the end of the passage and work my way backwards. We're going to start with verse 12. Okay, now verse 12, you've seen this verse before, you've heard it before, you've probably said it before. It's known as the golden rule. You guys know what the golden rule is, right? Okay, here's what it says. It says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. This sums up the law and the prophets. Do to others what you, have them, what you would have them do to you. Now, Here's what I want us to think about today as we go through this outline. You can fill in and take your notes on the, on the back of your bulletin today if you'd like. But as we go through this, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about it from the terms of the Father, God, and us, his children. If we want to get to a place where we know the answer is going to be yes to our prayers, these are some things that we're going to put up on the screen today that we need to understand that we need to take with us. If we want to know that the Father is going to answer, if we want to know that we're his children and we are in alignment with his will, these are some truths that we need to understand. That's what's going to happen today. We're going to start with this one here at the end. The first one is this. The Father and his children sees everyone as God's children. That's important. And I think that's an important thing to start with today as we think about this. He wants us, everyone, we wants us to see everyone is God's children. We all know the golden rule. We've all said it before. The real question is this. Are you actually living by it? Are you praying by it? I want you to think about that. What happens when someone makes a mistake? Maybe they, maybe they said something about you they shouldn't have said and they regret it. Maybe they ruined or broke something that's special to you. Maybe they've hurt you with unkind words. How do you react? How do you respond? Maybe another way to ask the question is this. Have you ever hurt anyone? Have you ever made a mistake? 
maybe said something and hurt somebody's feelings, maybe even betrayed someone, and you really felt bad about it, you were really sorry, let me ask you, how, how did you want them to respond? When you knew the mistake you had made and you knew the damage you had done, how did you want them to respond to you? You wanted grace, didn't you? Do you extend that grace in your life? Do you extend that grace in your prayers? Do you view everyone as a a child of God? Do you view them through that lens? I think that's an important question to answer. What happens when people, you know, what happens when you see people who don't look like you or dress like you or act like you or, or talk like you or share your values? Let me ask you this. You know how it is maybe you treat people that that are different from you, live differently than you, make you uncomfortable. How do you want to be treated when you're in the situation where you're in the minority, when you're the one that doesn't fit in, when you're the one that's surrounded by people and you're the one that's different? How do you want to be treated in that moment? Are you willing to extend that to others? What about when people are in need? Not necessarily just money in need. What about when they're hurting? What about when they just need someone to throw their arms around? How do you treat them? How do you, when you see someone who is in need, what do you do? If that were you in need, if that were you hurting, how would you want others to respond to you? See, the golden rule is so much more than just a catchy phrase that sounds good. Jesus said it because he wants to know if we're living it. He wants to know if when you get on your knees and you begin praying, if you're willing to pray the golden rule. Because I guarantee you this, if we begin praying as if everybody around us is also a child of God, I guarantee you he's gonna answer that prayer I find it interesting. He said all the the law and the prophets is summed up in this golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Sounds a whole lot like a passage we find in Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40, when the Pharisees question Jesus like this. They say, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You see the similarities in the two passages? This sums up the law and the prophets. If you want to know what Jesus was saying, this sums it up. If you want to know what it means to align your desires with God's will, it begins with opening your eyes and seeing that every single person around you, whether you like them or not, whether you're comfortable with them or not, whether they're asking you for help or not, they are a child of God too. They are his child. When your child needs help, don't you want others to help? Wouldn't you want someone to be there to pick them up if you weren't? God wants his children to see each other that way. He wants us to pray that way. Are you praying in such a way that shows that you see everyone around you as a child of God? 
When you do, I guarantee you the answer is going to be yes. And that's an awesome thing. Let's move back a few verses. Matthew 7, 9 through 11. The previous paragraph says this. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? The Father in us, his children, when we go before him, if we want to align our desire and our wills with him, if we want to know then this, we've got to depend on and trust God's provision. Now, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but we've got to depend on and trust God's provision. Here's a truth. When you are transformed by the Spirit of God, you go from a place of doubt and question to a place of, of confidence. When you're transformed by the Spirit of God, you go from a place where you fear everything to where you trust in God to provide. You become certain that your Father loves you and wants to provide what you need. The question is this, do you trust Him? If you do, if you know for certain you can, if you can conquer worry and doubt and fear and anxiety in your life and know and trust Him that He's going to provide for you, you know that you're moving towards, you're on a path, and you are becoming more and more in alignment with his will because you trust him. Jesus uses a phrase here that's kind of interesting. He was talking to his disciples and said, though you are evil, sounds kind of harsh. First of all, I think we need to understand what he was saying. We need to remember that, first of all, we are all guilty of sin and fall short of God's glorious standard. But secondly, this is simply a statement that shows that even the worst parents, Jesus was acknowledging, even the worst parents will provide the basic needs of survival for their kids. And with that being true, don't you believe and trust that your creator, the Lord God, will do anything to provide and take care of you, his child? Don't you think he will do anything to provide and take care of us? Even the worst parents at least make sure their children survive. And I think we need to understand that if we want to be in alignment with him and we want to know that the, the answer to his prayer, to our prayer, is yes, we got to understand that we have to depend on and we have to trust his provision. And that comes by his spirit working in us and through us. Let's jump back a couple more verses. The beginning of this passage, Matthew 7, 7 and 8. This is how he opens it. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. If we want to find ourselves in alignment with God's will, we come to a place where we understand, as his children, that we want only what God wants. We want only what God wants. And that's when we come to a place where we can say that. Now, that's a hard place to get to in our lives, isn't it? But when we get to a place where what we want is exactly what he wants, we can know we're becoming more aligned with him. I want to read a passage out of James chapter 4, verses 2 through 5, which I think captures the essence of what 
of what Jesus was saying here in Matthew. James 4, 2 through 5 says this, You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. But you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the Spirit that he has caused to dwell in us? Now, I want you to understand this. This is not to say, this passage in James is not telling us that God's love or his willingness to answer our prayers is conditional. I think James is asking a more important question here. He's saying this, are you for God or are you against him? Are you a friend of God or are you an enemy? Are you a child of God or are you, have you rejected his adoption through the blood of Jesus? You see, the question on whether he answers prayers or not really comes down to this. Are we praying in his will or not? Are we in alignment in our own lives or not? And what that does is it answers the question, am I his child? Have I accepted his son or have I rejected him? You see how it works. When I accept him and the Holy Spirit begins to work on me, it transforms me and my will begins to align with his. And then when I come before him and I pray, I'm not his enemy. I'm his child. Either I'm embracing this world and I have set myself up against God Almighty or I have embraced the blood of Christ and I am his child and he wants to answer my prayer because I have been transformed into his child and my will has been transformed to be in alignment with his. You see, I think it's important as we go and we understand that Jesus wants to answer our prayers, yes. But we must also understand that we were created for one purpose. We were created to bring him glory. We were created to build his kingdom. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And when we become his children, we realize that's all that matters. And as we begin to realize that, then our prayers begin to reflect that. And there is no way when we get on our knees as his children and pray in alignment with his will for his glory and for his kingdom, there's no way he's going to say no when we bring that prayer before him. The answer is going to be yes. I think it's important, too, as we look at this passage, and I love a commentary that I read that wrote it this way. It said, notice the verb tenses from this passage. Ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. Another way to paraphrase that might sound like this. Keep on asking and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking, and you will find. 
Keep on knocking, and it will be open to you. For everyone who keeps on asking will continuously receive. And he who keeps on seeking will continually find. And to him who keeps on knocking, it will be opened. It's a promise. As his child, not as his enemy, but as his child. When we align ourselves with him and we're praying in his will, there's no other answer he wants to give than yes. When we ask and when we seek him and his will and his glory to build his kingdom and when we knock and ask him to open the door for us, the answer absolutely will be yes. A few minutes ago I asked you, wouldn't it be great to know for certain that all of your prayers would be answered exactly the way you wanted them answered. I don't think the answer to that question is yes. As a matter of fact, I think there's a more important question you need to ask, and I do too. The question is this. Wouldn't it be great to know that your desires were the same as God's desires. Wouldn't that be awesome to know that God was going to answer your prayers because what you wanted was exactly what he wanted. It all starts with knowing and accepting that you're his child. You're a child of God. It starts when you realize that you need a Savior, and Jesus is the only one qualified to save you from your sin. It starts when you decide that it's time to let Him be the Lord of your life. From that moment on, the transformation begins to mold you into a child of God that desires exactly what the Father desires so that you can be certain that when you ask, it will be given. And when you seek, you will find. And when you knock, the door will be opened. And when that door opens, you're going to find God standing on the other side, waiting to answer. And so today, we're going to wrap this service up. And hopefully what we've seen here in this message has maybe sparked something inside of you that maybe you've been wondering for a while, why doesn't it seem like God answers my prayers the way I want them? Why doesn't it seem like he hears me and answers me? And I think the more important question to ask is this, is Jesus the Lord of your life or are you still trying to run things? Have you decided that your will is superior to God's? Or are you ready to give that battle up and say, okay, God, God Almighty, he knows what he's doing. He created the universe. He, he holds the earth right in the palm of his hand. I know that his will is so much greater than mine. Maybe it's time I trust him. Maybe it's time I let him be the Lord of my life. Maybe it's time I let his Holy Spirit begin to transform me and my will into alignment with his. 
If that is speaking to you today, during this invitation time, I want you to pray about that. I want you to respond to that somehow. If you need to come up and pray and talk with someone, one of our prayer partners will be here to pray with you. I'd love after the service is over to have a conversation with you about what it means to align your life with God and allow Jesus to be the Lord of your life. I would love to have that conversation with you and how to begin that process. If you would like to say, I need a church family to help hold me accountable, to to help me as I walk this path, I'd like to join this church come talk to us. I'd love to have that conversation with you today too. The invitation time is simply an opportunity for you to respond to what you've heard. Don't leave here today. If you know in your heart it's time to allow Jesus to be the Lord of your life and to begin aligning your will with his. Because when you do, I guarantee you the answer is going to be yes. Pray with me, please. Father, thank you so much for your word, for, for this message Jesus gave in, in the book of Matthew, the, the Sermon on the Mountain, just how much there is to that that shows us how our relationship with you will transform us and move us to a place where we desire only what you desire. God, I pray that I pray that you'll begin the process right now today in each of us, as we humbly come before you of molding our will and our desires to align perfectly with yours. God, we want nothing more as a church. We want nothing more as individuals than to have your will be done, your name to be praised, your glory to be known, and your kingdom to be built God, let us be a part of that. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.